Hello, my fuck demons, and welcome to Sex News with Ray. I'm your host, Ray, and today we are joined for the last time for the season by Yona Sienna. Yona has a BA in classics from the University of King's College in Halifax, where they were the vice president of the King's Pride Society, but you should all know that already by now. They teach Hebrew and Jewish topics both privately and through various synagogues in Toronto, and they've lectured on disability, mental health, and other topics. Yona is currently serving on the LGBTQ plus committee at the Miles Nadell JCC and will be taking Jewish studies at the graduate level this fall at the University of Cincinnati. Fun fact, people do not know that JCC means Jewish Community Center. Yeah, oh, that that's something you should know. The Jewish Community Center, that's what it is. They're everywhere. <laughs> Today in Sex News, uh, I found this very interesting article. Uh, it was written on September 8th by a certain Ray Shershevsky. That's me! Uh, and it's called Five Ways Camp prepared me to run sex parties. I'm just going to summarize the blog post and pull some quotes on it. It starts by talking about how campers become counselors and there's certain skills that you learn at camp that are directly useful for a job as an event planner and, in your case, facilitator at a sex club. The sex club I work at, uh, Sherzhevsky writes, is known for being a space where people find their community and solidify their identity. While other clubs provide dance music and a play space, the club I work at helps people genuinely connect. Uh, The blog post continues talking about the various things that camp teaches us, how to be excited and loud, how to plan an activity, improvise and go with the flow, and especially important at a sex club, enforcing boundaries and rules. The article, the blog post concludes by saying sex can also be funny or silly, and it's best not to take yourself too seriously when you're hosting events. Ultimately, our needs as adults don't change from our needs as children. Wow, who wrote that? She must be like so smart. It's so smart. That was fun. I kind of wrote that originally as a response to uh, when I, I think I mentioned this a few times, but when I left my job working for a youth group, people were just so confused. They asked if the skills were transferable. I think they thought I was leaving to be a full-time sex worker, which if I was, I'd be making so much more money even at that job and even than I make <laughs> now. That might have been a better career choice. But but you love what you do. I love what I do. And I love making games. And it was just kind of funny because I also see every summer these articles that come out like five ways that or, you know, five reasons you should send your kid to camp or, you know, five ways that being a camp counselor is a real job. And they always come out and they're always written by people who run camps. And I thought it would be mm-hmm. really funny or people who still work at camp in upper levels. And I thought it would be really funny to write an article that they would never, ever want to post. And there's a part of me that really, I wanted to tag the camp that I went to, but I also didn't. That was very diplomatic of you. I I mean, I'm a bit of a troll, but I'm also very aware of when not to be a troll. We've talked a lot about how uh, you don't leave the rest of yourself behind when you close that bedroom door and you bring all of your experiences with you for bad or for good. And uh, I think... You've made a very clear case that uh, the skills you learned being at camp and being a counselor were very transferable to event planning, including planning an orgy. Yep, definitely. Or in this case, you know, planning what icebreaker games we're going to play at the club that get people to actually interact with each other if they're shy. Yeah, because you can't have an orgy unless you break the ice first. Exactly. And a lot of I think there's this assumption that like sex clubs are just giant key parties. 
the key parties, which are a thing from the 1960s that actually never happened. There were always just a male power fantasy. The idea <laughs> is that like all of these couples show up and they put their car keys in a cup and then the men select car keys and they get the wives of the person whose car key that they they picked out. And this was a total urban legend. This is a total urban legend because it's very much predicated on, like, there's there's references to it as early as 1963, I believe, but it's an urban legend because there's no actual firsthand accounts of these stories happening. And you'll notice that the women can't withdraw consent in this scenario. So they just get the car keys and then, like, take them home or? No, they take them to like a room. They end up fucking the wife that night at the orgy or like that's the partner that they're swapping. It's a partner swap icebreaker, theoretically. As an event planner, what do you think about that as an icebreaker? Um, Honestly, that's not an icebreaker. That is a vehicle to having sex. Um, That would work really well in a group of friends that all already know each other and have already played with each other's partners. Mm -hmm. That could be a fun partner swap game you play not as an icebreaker, but in a group of like a polycule where they're mm-hmm. already all fucking and it doesn't matter. And it's just kind of like a fun little thing to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's the same thing. We're playing truth or dare with people who don't know each other is a lot more vanilla than playing truth or dare with a bunch of people who have already had sex. For sure. I say this from experience. So, um, but I'm, like a better example of an icebreaker other than a key party would literally be playing truth or dare mm-hmm. because it gives you a chance to sort of warm up, do what you're comfortable with. You can always withdraw consent. We also have other games that involve um, making people do silly things. We had blowjob competitions where you'd have to blow a banana unless you wanted to blow a person, you know, things like that. And it was more about getting people to feel comfortable. And we also used to have like massage competitions. That was another mm. really fun way. Like those are icebreakers because they're getting you massage competitions were great for teaching about negotiating consent. Mm-hmm. Um, if you That's could not good. give a partner, if you couldn't negotiate consent, giving them a one minute massage, we don't trust you to negotiate consent outside of that. Mm-hmm. So icebreakers can also serve a dual purpose. So I don't remember how we got on this topic, but long story short, transferable skills. Yes. Yeah. A question. How do you think Jewish youth groups and the culture around sexuality is different from what that culture might be in a Christian camp or a Christian youth group? Because people think Jewish and they immediately think religious and then they immediately think, oh, it's like Christian. People need to understand that there is what I would call the secular Jewish experience. So there is the Jewish experience of synagogue or text learning or learning Hebrew or going to Jewish day school or going on birthright, which is also kind of a secular Jewish experience if you think about it. But there's like the religious part of Judaism, but then there's also the secular culture side of Judaism. And youth groups are one of those. There are religious youth groups where the teens are all of the same observancy level. And then you also have pluralistic ones and there are pluralistic youth groups for adults. They call them campus groups, but, you know, or fraternities or sororities, but they're just adult youth groups. And then as you get older, you get synagogue clubs or people who sign up for tech study just to meet other Jews. You have um, other organizations that do activities that are more targeted towards adults. So there is all of this like cultural side of things. And I never went to Christian camp, but my husband did. And he has told me some stories. There's day camp and there's overnight camp. There's Jewish day camp where everyone's Jewish and you go home at night. That's actually the one I did. I also did the overnight experience once for a month and I decided it was not for me. But you will have these kids who start going to overnight camp from the age of seven and they basically stay there until they go off to university every summer. This is not a week. This is you're going for a month or two months. The entire summer you are going to camp. And there's also a connection between those camps and the youth groups. Often it will be... uh, explicitly the same organization that is connected to both the camp 
activities and the year-round youth programming. Yes. And so at these camps, the most Jewish thing you might do is have a Friday night Shabbat dinner together and everyone wears white. And that's it. That's as Jewish as it gets. You might say... The rest of the time, it's other activities. Yeah. At every meal, you might say the Hamotzi blessing. Like uh, like you bless the bread and you do that with a loud, fun tune at every single meal. But you might not do Birkat Amazon, which are the post-meal blessings, unless you're at one of those more observant camps. So the idea being that it's not actually a very religious experience and like... I'm going to give two more examples and I'm going to talk about the Christian side. But I also had a friend who worked at a camp. He was here on exchange from Ireland. That's actually how we met. He was just sort of exploring the city before he went off and I was doing some promoting for Oasis and I saw this guy sort of filming some shit. I'm like, oh, you want a photo with our sex doll? And he's like, uh, no, I'm just I'm just filming. And so we started chatting. What are you here for? I noticed your accent. Ooh, foreign. And he mentioned that he was here on a contract to work for an overnight camp. And my first question was, is it Jewish? And he said, no, I don't think so. I said, yes, it is. Just you wait. So we exchanged information. I was correct. While it wasn't a Jewish overnight camp, 90% of the people going to that camp were Jewish. And it was it was Jewish. There was no religion in it. And it was still very culturally Jewish. And everyone there was Jewish. That's very interesting. So that's, so that's camp. Christian camp was a week. It was overnight camp for a week. There was always that one weird Bible kid, Alex said, but like most of them weren't there for that. Most of them were just there to make friends and hang out. Mm -hmm. But it was one week. They would still have church stuff. There was a lot of, you know, the counselors would do a lot of talking about Jesus, I guess, or trying to promote Christian values. But it was one week. So when I said, you've never been to camp, he goes, yes, I did. I'm like, you've never, if you went for a week, you did not get the camp experience. Mm. It's not a retreat. It's a life for the summer. Mm -hmm. And uh, Judaism, like you said, doesn't, it. you don't talk about Moses uh, yep. pretty much ever. We're not talking about God. Some of the, you, you know, if you have a Havdalah service, that's all Hebrew praying technically, but it's also just a beautiful service that it takes 20 minutes tops. And we have songs that are in Hebrew that are about like how the world is a narrow bridge and the important thing is not to be afraid. Like doesn't mention yeah. God. It's just, a, it just happens to be in Hebrew. Yeah, I was just saying, not that anyone knows what they're actually saying. <laughs> no, of course not. The other element that I want to add though is that there's also the counselor experience. So Alex mm -hmm. never became a camp counselor. I did at the day camp because once again, liked going home to air conditioning. But I know from the, the people, the ones that I used to work with, the camp counselor experience at an overnight camp is basically there are no adults. You are in charge. You and a bunch of other 15-year-olds are running the show. And if you've seen Wet Hot American Summer, it's Hookup Central. So if you want to get a nice summer girlfriend or some ex or boyfriend or non-binary friend and some fun experience, you go work at overnight camp because like when the when the adults leave for the night or go sleep go to sleep and the you know the counselors are around the campfire. They are playing truth or dare or they're doing dare nights that get sexual and they are hooking up in corners and making out in the woods and trying not to get caught by the real staff, you know, like not the real staff, like the admin staff. Like it is still very much Jewish youth group, but over the summer. Yeah. And it's often the people that you went that you go to youth group with. Yeah. Or they're people that you might also maintain things with. I would also say that um, there's it's yeah, whether it's birthright, a youth group, a frat or summer camp, it's cultural Jewish hookup city. Yeah. And in all of those places, uh, people talk about hooking up a lot. And I think that's a big difference from um, what people associate with religious youth groups or religious camps is they think that the messaging from the higher ups is all going to be about like, don't have sex, preserve your purity. And that's not the message that we get at all. 
No, I remember learning about sex from my counselors at overnight camp or something. One of them had a nipple piercing. Wow. And I like, you know, you could see it through her bikini and someone was like, oh my God, when did you get it pierced and this and that? And we got to ask them about virginity and like when they lost it. And they would say things like, I lost mine young. And I remember being like 12 and this counselor was 16 and she was just like so mature. Like you were able to have like open, honest, age-appropriate discussions where you got good information? You know what? I don't even care if it was age-appropriate. I got information. (laughs) As a 12-year-old, curious about these things, but not... I wasn't ready for any of that at 12, but some of the girls in my cabin were. They were curious. They wanted to. I didn't... Like, I was curious about boys, and I liked boys, but I didn't want to hook up. But Mm -hmm. I was so curious about it in general. So having someone who was only five years older than me and not maybe constrained, like, whether or not their messaging was correct or wrong, like... The idea was that this was a a cabin filled with girls having girl conversations about sexual experiences, and it wasn't unhealthy. I remember the messaging that I always got was that, like, you should have sex when it's right and when you're ready, and you should use protection and not have, you know, babies when you're a teenager. Yeah, exactly. I don't know one teenage girl in these experiences that didn't talk about the birth control pill or things like that. I don't know what it was like from the boys, but I also know that like the girls would also shower together, not in a lesbian way, just in like a, you're with people in a cabin for a month. At that time, I was very uncomfortable being naked in front of other people. And there were still body standards, right? Like there was always the skinny hot girls who, who, you know, or the ones who grew their boobs first. And some of those girls were comfortable being naked and some weren't. But by Mm -hmm. the end of your time, like I came into that that summer not knowing anyone. So these were all girls who were so comfortable with each other that they had no problem getting changed because they've been getting changed in front of each other their whole lives. And that just continued. And while at the time these were strangers, I later being in part of a youth group, sharing a hotel room with other girls for weekends at a time, we would give each other massages, like platonic naked massages when we were on our breaks. And we would look forward to getting to be with each other and just engaging in friendly, non-sexual touch. Mm-hmm. And... It was so nice to be part of this atmosphere where nudity was nothing to be ashamed of and sexuality was not something that you were discouraged from experiencing. Not to say that there wasn't slut shaming. There was. Mm -hmm. Not to say that there weren't toxic behaviors. There was. But, you know, they're kids. They're learning. When you don't have an adult to teach them things, that's what you're going to get. Yeah, I also remember there being some positive things and there also being some negative things. There was a lot of openness between uh, between guys about like more uh, platonic touch than was sort of generally acceptable, like outside of the youth group or camp bubble. Guys were more physically affectionate with each other. Um, but that came along with a sort of reactionary, sort of there was some amount of homophobia in it. There was yeah. like... There was the line of like, what's gay and what's not? And what do we giggle about? And what is at arm's length? Showering is a group together, not gay. Giving each other mm-hmm. hand jobs in a circle gay. <laughs> is that easy? To... Yeah, I think this the goes... line was somewhere there. We mentioned a few times sort of the feminization, uh, you know, or like feminine Jewish men. And I feel like some of this comes from the camp experience. Like I, I have a running joke with my friends called gay or just Jewish. Mm-hmm. And sometimes... You think this guy is so gay and then you find out, oh, he's Jewish and married and like definitely straight, Mm -hmm. which not always. Sometimes it's still okay. They're actually bi. Actually, one of our friends who we all thought was gay turned out to be trans. Um, Mm -hmm. Actually, two of our friends (laughs) turned out to be trans. Um, Actually, a few. Yeah. And then there's other (laughs) one. I'm like, actually, wait, I know three people from my Jewish youth group who are now trans. 
actually four now that I'm looking at you. So <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, the count keeps adding up. That being said, I will occasionally meet Jewish guys who are like maybe short and small and, and skinny and what I call my friend Maya's perfect type and because uh, she likes her, her skinny white boys. And you're like, oh, this person's got to be gay. They're so in touch with their feelings. They're so great at expressing their feelings. They make me feel so comfortable around them. No, they're just Jewish. They went to mm-hmm. summer camp. They mm-hmm. went to youth group. Thoughts? <laughs> um, there's a lot there. You're like, I don't even know where to start. Listening to you count all the people who are trans now is enough of a basis. <laughs> well, that's something that I, again, we were talking about like Jews in the sex club. People tend to like find each other. And even when people are in the closet, you'll have entire friend groups that meet as straight and cis. And then 10 years later, all of them have come out in some way because they found each other in that time for a reason. They they could sense that connection to each other even before it was apparent because they would they would have similar things. They would share similar experiences and they wouldn't know the names for those yet and they wouldn't know how deep they go yet. But they are able to find that later. And that was what connected them even before they knew it. This is still a very Jewish experience. And the average Jewish person in North America that you meet, what was Jewish about your upbringing? I went to camp. I went to youth group. Mm-hmm. So that not all Jews read the Torah and analyze it with their friends the way that Yona and I do. In fact, I would say the majority probably don't because yeah, we're fucking weird. nerds. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're just nerds. Uh, but the average Jewish person you meet, you can't be like, oh, did you know that uh, Genesis says this and it means that Adam fucked an animal? Like the average Jewish person <laughs> isn't talking about that or talking like that. We're just living our Jewish lives, being in Jewish communities and like, I don't know, because we're all horny. That just mm-hmm. also means that when you put a bunch of kids in an enclosed space during puberty, they're going to explore. I know that there's a idea in in Christian summer camps or youth groups that like the messaging has to be about abstinence because kids are horny and like we should message them with abstinence to try and encourage them to not bone. I think the uh, sort of philosophy in a lot of Jewish youth spaces is they're horny. If they have sex with each other, then down the line, they might have Jewish babies. But if we don't encourage them in this environment, they'll go off and have sex with non-Jewish people and not have Jewish babies. That's the anxiety. And that's why I think sexual exploration is not discouraged. But in fact, the messaging is, if you're going to do it, be safe. It Well, it works, though. My parents met in a Jewish youth group. A lot of the friends I still talk to are people that they were aware of from Jewish youth group days and then stayed in contact with or became better friends with later. I think that it works as a model when you put Jewish teens together in a space that is all about culture building. It's cultural indoctrination, not religious indoctrination in these spaces. <laughs> when it's all about culture building, and then they they you know meet other Jews because, as you said, it's this homogenous group where that's all you're meeting, so that's all you're going to meet. And parents do want that because of that fear of interfaith marriage and what happens to the future of Judaism the and all those things. Yeah, that fear is definitely there, and these experiences help help with that. And they're not necessarily religious; they're very much about culture. I mean, if people have not seen the TV show or the movie Wet Hot American Summer, they never say it's Jewish overnight camp, but it is. And the enemy camp is the non-Jewish camp. It's you're saying it's coded that way, even though it's one hundred percent. They have an Israeli camp counselor show up that all of the other counselors are in love with. He's from <laughs> yeah, Israel. Right. He speaks right. with an Israeli accent. The main character has curly a curly Jufro. Like it is literally the Jewish camp experience. It's one of those things where a lot of 
films and television about camp or about these things. Like, uh, oh, another example is the uh, Adams Family Values movie when I've Wednesday Adams has to go to camp. That's a Jewish camp. It was that movie was written by mm. Jews, mm-hmm. and the girl who is the bad the bad enemy of the girl she is white, she's blonde, she's thin, and then you have Wednesday who is dark and broody, and it is very much a comment about the Jewish experience and WASP culture. And it's written, it's still a Jewish camp, and it's definitely making fun of our perceptions of Christian camp. Mm. Which I should add, Christian culture and purity culture is a thing. The experiences my husband had going to a Christian school and a Christian camp. They never pushed abstinence only on on him. He said they actually had pretty good sex education. Oh, that's good. My sister-in-law does do... She's involved, I think, with the church in, in her neighborhood where she lives. And they will try and have complex conversations about sex and sexuality with the young girls that are coming through their youth group. So I think that purity culture is very much a subset of certain aspects of Christianity, just like we have purity culture in certain aspects of Judaism, but I wouldn't want to paint all of it with the same brush. Yeah, I think it's similar to what we talked about before, about not wanting to paint, it to, to say, to like mix up toxic masculinity as a thing that is bad with men who may or may not have unpacked the toxic masculinity that all of us are taught in right. our general culture. Religions of all kinds have a purity culture. It just so happens that for the average Jewish experience, that is not part of it for us. And that's for a few reasons. One of them is that, as we've seen in our discussion so far, even among the most Orthodox Jews, sex is viewed a lot more positively. It's not an original sin. It's, in fact, the original commandment. Yeah. And then when it comes to Jewish youth groups, there's less anxiety about uh, keeping pure from sex and more anxiety about having sex with the right people. I feel bad for asexual people in these spaces because there isn't really space for you to talk about that here. When kids are young, Mm -hmm. it's hard, it's hard to be asexual when everyone around you is only thinking about hooking up, whether they're gay, whether they're straight, whether they're anything in between, like, and even if you're someone who's maybe not ready to hook up, you're interested in exploring, but you're not interested in doing more than maybe kissing or holding hands. It can be really hard to be in these environments when you're not ready and everyone else around you might be, they might not be ready either, but they're pretending that they are. And I know that that's been a reason for people to not be involved in Jewish camps or Jewish youth groups is that at that age, at that time, they weren't ready for that or they didn't want that or that it turned out they were asexual. And that was a a part of their identity that there wasn't space for because of what the culture has ended up being. And that's, that's a negative, I think, in those spaces. Yeah. I mean, I did love the day camp that I went to and I love the friends that I made. And the day camp that I went to was once again, primarily Jewish, but not a Jewish camp. And I still know teens from the organization that I just worked for who also still go to that camp. It's an institution. It will be around forever. You know, anyone who wants to know which camp this is, if I said uh, the quest for the golden arrow, you know exactly which camp I'm talking about because every camp has their own traditions, which I should add is another reason why camps and youth groups are so, they'll stay forever. They have their own traditions. You're identity forming as a Jewish person, but you're also identity forming with your camp. Mm -hmm. You know, like your camp has its own identity. You get to feed into it. Your youth group has its own identity. You get to feed into that. You kids like tribalism. It's fun to be tribal at that age and to say, okay, this is what makes me this person or this thing while you're sort of exploring other aspects of your identity. It's like I have an in-group. Yes. Here's a thing that flabbergasts my husband when I tell him about this and flabbergasts non-Jews. The point system, and I'm going to explain it because I'm sure you remember this fondly from our days in USY. 
Oh, yeah. If you are involved in USY, you are worth one point. If you are on the board, you are worth two. If you are like your chapter board, you're worth two. If you're chapter president, you're worth three. If you're on regional board, you're worth five. If you're regional president, you're worth 10. International board, you're with, you get the idea. Um, and if you hook up with someone on the Sabbath, you are worth double because it's a double mitzvah. If it is a same-sex hookup on the Sabbath, it's worth quadruple. And how do you earn these points? Once again, you hook up with people to earn them. So by the end of your time, the idea being that if you are same-sex, hooking up with the international president on the Sabbath at an international convention, you're golden. No one can beat your points. You've won. And this is a point system that all of the teens know about. What Not all of them are participating in it. Not all of them count points, but a lot of them do. Everyone knows. The staff pretend not to know. Uh, and we do not condone the point system because it's objectifying and dehumanizing. But I remember being a teen and thinking the staff don't know about it. And the staff aren't allowed to talk about it. We're not allowed to acknowledge it because if we acknowledge it, that's condoning it. But we weren't allowed, like when I then went to work for a youth group and I was like, oh my God, this is fucked up. I wasn't allowed to talk to them about why it was fucked up. Mm, that's that's a problem when, because actually being silent about it is implicitly condoning it. Well, they thought that they were getting one over on us, which was interesting. What I will also say though, is that the point system when I was in high school, like being in a youth group, being in a camp, literally did, there seemed like there was, it was, it was fun. It was like a fun idea. The idea that hooking up with someone earns you points was a fun idea. It turns it into a game, which can be really dangerous because you're playing, you're literally playing with other people's feelings. Yep. So that's fascinating. Just that this is so pervasive in so many different Jewish spaces, and it's never mm -hmm. a thing that's commented on or spoken about. And I don't think we're ever going to abolish the point system. Like, I don't think it's ever going to stop existing because teens are going to be teens. Yeah, you think it's just a part of, of the experience that, part of the culture. There will always be people who think it's fun to have points. And to count points. Yeah. And if there's people who think it's fun to count points, they'll count points and they'll have this. So not, you can't stop people from thinking of it, it that way. Even on Big Mouth, they have this one character that's very, like all the characters, whether or not they're Jewish, are Jewish. And even then they have like an episode where they, they innocently make a list of their top 10 girls. Mm -hmm. And then the girls are like, fuck you and make a list of their top 10 guys. And it's not, they, the show does a really good job of explaining that like, it wasn't supposed to be mean. It wasn't supposed to be about making people feel bad. That's just the result. And the point system may not, it might not start as a way to make people feel bad, but people feel bad as a result. Let's talk about uh, hookup culture on birthright. I went on birthright with a boyfriend at the time, so I was exempt. That being said, there was a lot of talk about hooking up with the Israeli soldiers. Mm -hmm. um, actually, it was really interesting. I was there having sex with my boyfriend, and I got slut-shamed. So you're saying that even though there's so much obsession with sex, it's still not sex positive? Absolutely not. I, did you go Did you go on birthright? I've never been on birthright, but I've been in lots of other Jewish spaces. Okay, I want to hear some of your experiences after if you're happy to share them. But I would say that when yeah. I went on birthright, there was definitely an atmosphere of let's all hook up. Let's hook up with Israeli soldiers. Let's hook up with Israeli locals. Let's hook up with other people on the trip. Let's flirt. You never know what will happen. Like there was definitely a sexually charged atmosphere. And then I was there with my boyfriend. And at one point they made a joke. Like we basically landed and he and I like went off because let's be honest, you're two horny 18 year olds and you've landed in Israel and you're in a foreign place together and you have the room to yourself, you're going to fuck because now you can say you fucked in Israel, right? Like you're going to say, okay, I fucked here. I fucked there. I fucked everywhere. And how old were you at this time? 
I was, you have to be 18 to go on birthright. I was 18. I think my boyfriend was 20, 21. I would honestly, looking back on it, I, I wish that I had waited till I was older, but I felt a lot of pressure to go on birthright by my community, by my parents and to do it now instead of later, because you'll never go on it if you don't do it later. And, you know, I think my experience would have been very different if I'd gone on it single or even now, or if I just waited, I would not suggest going on a trip like that when you're 18. But aside from that, yeah, we, we ended up having sex and someone made a joke. Like we basically walked out of a room and people were like clapping, like, oh, you two must have had sex. And I was like, okay, grow up. Mm. And then later on, like a week later, a week into the trip where I'm hanging out with the girls and they're saying something like, oh, well, you know, like, like, oh, you're not having sex or some shit like that. And I'm like, yeah, we did. They're like, wait, what? And I'm like, the time when you were all clapping, that is exactly what we were doing. And they kind of were like, are you serious? And I'm like, yes. Like, yes. Why wouldn't mm. I have sex with my boyfriend on a trip with him? And they were giving you shit for it? They definitely slut shamed me. The next day, they were all sort of like whispering behind my back about some of the other things that I shared with them. The whole time with them actively trying to hook up with people. It was so strange. I was so weirded out. Young people suck. It sucks to be young. I never want to go back there. <laughs> God. Yeah, it's it's a hard time. Yeah, it's a very sexually charged atmosphere without being sex positive. I would definitely classify that as, as the camp experience for sure. And I think that the point system exacerbates that in a negative way, that sex, uh, hooking up, I think it defined more as like making out that I would point. say for most kids, it's making out. For some, it's more than that. But mo most people, if they say I, I hooked up in the woods, they mean they made out in the woods. And for a select few, it means other things. Uh, so I think that for that point system, it, it treats seeing other people as conquests, which is already a problem in our general society about how men are told to view uh, sexuality as, as a pursuit and a conquest and racking up points. My experience in Jewish youth group and Jewish summer camp was a bit of a weird one. I had not made out with someone or had sex while I was that age. And so I, I felt sort of a little bit out of it and I didn't know how to approach uh, that yet. And I don't think I was ready to. So I was definitely in that group of people that saw the culture happening and was trying my best to fit in. But, you know, I, I didn't have any points, so to speak, and I wasn't really interested in getting them. It was a part of the experience that was a little bit difficult for me, but I really enjoyed the community and there were other aspects of it that made it feel very open and very safe. And the fact that people were talking about this and that I didn't have a space to talk about it in other places meant that uh, I was able to like explore things more. And uh, it's actually where I came out as bisexual because I, it was these were things that people were really comfortable talking about. And I wasn't out at my uh, regular school in my high school, but I was completely out in the youth group. Yeah, you could be as much as there are the negative drawbacks of hookup culture everywhere. I feel like so many people feel like the youth group is where they make their real friends or camp is where they make their real friends, their lifelong friends, because you're not just taking a class with this person. and You don't just sit there. You get to actively choose your friend group and have culture building experiences. I did feel a lot less judged in those spaces. Uh, and it was about sex and sexuality, but I think it was about everything. There was a lot less judgment than in general society. You might not have hooked up with anyone, but I do recall you went on one date with someone that you met at the youth group. Oh, I did. And for like the next decade, until we were both in other relationships, my uh, amazing mother and, and her mother were like completely convinced that we 
Like, we're soulmates that we were made to be. Um, The reason this is extra funny is because that person that Yona went on a date with was me in the 10th grade. And we went on a picnic. And Yona and their brothers made a delicious chocolate pecan pie. And we sat on the grass and talked and realized after that date that we really liked being friends. And that was pretty much it. And it was a really nice experience. And then we became roommates and our mothers came over for Shabbat dinner and still really wanted us to get married. And then I think my mom, after seeing us live together for a year, was like, no, you're right. This is a good friendship. And your mother didn't let the dream die until I think you met, until maybe I got married. Yeah, I think. I think that was the point at which she finally could admit that it wasn't going to uh, happen. It was not. It wasn't going to happen. But uh, more recently, seeing uh, me date someone else, she's she's now a lot. Uh, she's she's happier with that match, and she sees how that's the the right one for me. So, parents out there, if you want proof that you get lifelong friendships out of being involved in a Jewish youth group, you're listening to it right now. Right here. Right here. It's time for a commercial break. Unless you had any last thoughts you wanted to share, but I think we went through everything. Commercial break. Do you want to join the deviants to finding elite and actually tell people about it? Are you, like me, a fuck demon? We are launching Sex News with Ray Swag with these common phrases. We've got hats. We've got toots. That's beanies for you Americans. We've got sweatshirts. We've got crop tops. And as usual, all the art was designed by me, so it definitely has my personal flair to it. Check out the new designs at sharewithray.com slash merch slash SNWR and pick up a piece to support the podcast today. All right. Final listener question. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Window writes in again. Window had so many good questions, so they got thrown in all over this season. Usually when people think of Jewish religious youth groups, and if they know enough about them, they think about the point system for hookups. Whereas I notice with teens who are Christian and in Christian youth groups, they have things like purity rings and strong opinions about saving themselves and stuff like that. Is the difference between these types of cultures lying somewhere in the religion or somewhere else? You could argue that people go to a Jewish youth group for cultural and not religious reasons, but I've heard that even in Orthodox religious youth groups, there is a culture of this. Yeah, I think we really talked about this. There's the cultural side. There's the uh, like real anxiety about meeting and dating Jews and, and saying, well, you should do it that way rather than like wanting you to save yourself. And then you miss this opportunity to make that kind of connection. Uh, and then there's also the religious thing where in Judaism, even at its core, it's not the original sin, it's the original commandment. I think that there are just some fundamental differences in both the roots of the religion of Judaism and Christianity and how people practice them. So purity culture, even in Judaism, is expressed very differently than purity culture in Christian groups. They get purity rings, they have these purity balls, there's a lot of weird father shit going on. I would say that both religions do have the idea of waiting until marriage in those more pure cultures, uh, but I've noticed that in secular Judaism, like even Jewish spaces that are still, you know, like I said, you're still saying a blessing at the table, you still have a Shabbat dinner, they are a lot more progressive about sex, than your average Christian camp. You know, another thing that that we really have to talk about is that um, Christianity is first and foremost a religion. If you don't ascribe to the religion, it's rare for you to find yourself in those spaces because Christianity sees itself as a religion. If you don't believe in any of those things, they won't consider you a Christian anymore. Judaism, however, is primarily a culture uh, and a community and a people that has traditions and has beliefs, but you can be a Jew and not believe those things. Um, and the values are really transferred through the culture, even when people are not connected 
to the Torah or to the Talmud or other things like that. Yeah, I would say that, I mean, I think the listener window hit the nail on the head. I think it is rooted in religious differences. And, you know, as as you just said, someone going to Jewish camp is not necessarily there for the Judaism. Someone sending their kid to Christian camp might be there for the Christianity. And certainly the camp is more founded on religious principles that there might be a Jewish, there are many Jewish summer camps where not a single person involved in running the camp has strong, like religious beliefs, strong religiosity. And it's all, everyone involved from the campers to the parents to the staff are secular cultural Jews. In which case you're going to get a lot more hookup culture than in a place where it's about Jesus. Thank you for listening, everyone. Yona, for the last time, where can people contact or follow you? You can follow me on Twitter at Yona Sienna. Join the Deviants Defining Elite by joining and following the podcast at Sex News with Ray on Facebook and Instagram and submit a listener question through sharewithray.com slash podcast or email sexnewswithray at gmail.com. Follow me personally at WifeBayRay on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, RazorLatex on Instagram, and also RazorLatex on OnlyFans. The podcast is engineered and produced by Dave Meisner and is hosted at sexnewswithray.podbean.com. Theme music by Blank and Brilliant. Special thank you to Blue Microphones. Photography for our logo is by Dolly Shots Photography. 